0: Hi, this is Alexis from STEM Kitchen and you're listening to the AT Banter Podcast.
1: Hey, and welcome to a, another episode of AT Banter. Banter Banter. Uh, hey, this is of course the podcast where we talk with advocates and members of the disability community to educate and inspire better conversation about disability. Hey, my name is Rob Minot, and joining me today, the only guy I need on this particular podcast, Mr. Ryan Flurry. That is me. Hi, everybody. And that's it. It's just the two of us. That's why uh, no no lists and no Steve today, because, well, as I was saying earlier, it's December, and it's a crazy December. Uh, I'm I'm finding anyways. I don't know about you, but. Uh,
0: I can't yes. wait for it to go.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. This year is just like, oh, man, could we
0: please just let this be over with this year? And not yep. to sound like a Scrooge already, but it's just like there's too much going on. I'm just not into Christmas this year. I don't know what it really? is. I just want it to be past us and let's move on. Wow. Okay. Yep. Right, up, so you can on. call me Scrooge all you want. Anyways. Um, well, I think that covers it. Your, have you been
1: Have you been keeping up on the on the giant um, Hall and Oates lawsuit? Do you have any updates
0: uh, for the audience? I honestly don't have any updates. No, I haven't been following yeah. it.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's anything really been released. I haven't heard anything more about it. So,
0: well, so, yeah. you know, made the spotlight yeah. for ten minutes and was over with.
1: Well, I don't know. I, I'm still I'm still really curious. I'm still I'm really sure curious. we'll hear more. Like, like if Simon took a restraining order out against Garfunkel. I mean, it would just, <laughs> people, would be, people would be interested in that. So, there you go. Uh, all right, well, enough of that. Um, hey, Ryan.
0: Yeah, Rob. Uh, what the heck are we doing today? Today, we are speaking with author, advocate, content creator, musician, speaker, and so much more. Heather Hutchison welcome Heather thank you well that was tame come on let's hear some (laughs) excitement (laughs)
2: so glad to be here I'm so excited I could not agree more about the whole Christmas thing I'm so ready are you really yes yeah this month could be well I like Christmas but I totally agree that this like lead up to Christmas has just been absolutely insane this year
1: it has I am so glad that you said that because I thought I was the only one. So I'm actually, you know, screw this podcast thing. Let's just have a, <laughs> just have a December 2023 support group right here.
2: I think we need it.
1: Yeah, it's 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 been it's been tough, but we'll, okay. I tell you what, we'll we'll get into that a little later. But maybe just give us a, a little bit of a snapshot uh, of yourself and uh, what you're up to.
2: Yeah, for sure. You you covered it pretty well. I'm impressed. You that was a good summary. Um. But I'm Heather. I live on Vancouver Island. I'm a musician, content creator, author, speaker, <laughs> um, <laughs> as you already mentioned. And right now my focus is on a lot of um, short form video content. So I basically create content around uh, for my own channels as well for, as for other brown, brands around um mental health and disability uh, advocacy and basically I just try and like show people the fun side to it a little bit Um, just because I think people get we lose like the humanity and people get really like freaked out by disability so I think when you can like approach it in in a pretty like approachable kind of fun way that really like clicks with people and it sticks with them more. And they're like, Hey, this person's just like us. And then that, that really kind of like strips away the like fear and discomfort that they feel when interacting with us. So that's kind of my goal.
1: Brilliant. Brilliant. Now, what exactly is your eye condition? Have you, have you been blind since birth?
2: Yeah, I have liver congenital amaurosis.
1: Wow, where to start? I don't even see that's the trouble with when we have these overachievers on the, um, on the show. I don't even really know where to which which branch to go down. Oh, well, we can uh, bash
0: Christmas some more if you want. No, well that's later. we <laughs> to
1: well, okay, talking about so, Taylor
0: Swift. <laughs> <we've>,
1: <laughs> Overrated. Not helping, Ryan. Is that going to get Sorry. me hate? I don't know. It'll get us hate. Well, actually, <laughs> no. we're going to get you to show your socials, That's later, fine. so it might get you hate. I don't That's know, uh, but who cares? Who cares what a bunch of fourteen-year-old girls do? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and to all the fourteen-year-old girls in our audience, sorry, just kidding. JK, JK. Um, let's let's talk a little bit about music. So, how long have you really sort of been into music? When did it really become uh, a real passion for you? And and to talk a little bit about about um your albums
2: i think music was always a passion for me i don't really remember a time when music wasn't part of my life i can remember being like a couple years old and having one of those fisher price tape recorders with the microphones i don't know if anybody <laughs> else remembers those totally, totally. <laughs> and i would carry it around everywhere and like make up songs and stories and um I struck a deal with my brother when I was six um, to lend me $100 to record an album. Now, thankfully, that did not happen. And $100 is (laughs) not exactly (laughs) what you need to record an album. And before everyone's like, oh, that's so sweet. No, he wasn't being altruistic. He was charging me 30% on the loan. (laughs) I'm very business minded. And um, when I was... I guess I started piano lessons and it was actually more of like a physical therapy thing for me because I was born with hypotonia or low muscle tone. And I guess the thinking was that playing piano would help to strengthen my hands and wrists. And I don't really know if it did much good for that, but it sort of started this lifeline that I've clung to for most of my life. Um, And I wish I could say that I was like super dedicated and practiced really hard that would be a lie. I was a terrible piano student. Like I think my teacher hated me because <laughs> I was far more interested in like making up my own songs or figuring out songs <laughs> by ear that I heard on the radio and the songs in my books written by like who I thought of as boring dead guys didn't really hold a lot of interest. <laughs> <laughs> but then as I got more into my teen years i actually went back to piano lessons because you know those were like the teen angst years and i felt really alone and like nobody understood so i used music as kind of a way to as like a cathartic way to sort through those huge complicated teenage emotions and the summer i turned 15 Um, very reluctantly encouraged by my music teacher I went into a provincial talent competition and one of the judges for the finals of that competition was a music producer and he came up to me backstage and gave me his card afterwards and he was like let me know if you want to chat about making some recording some music and I didn't really think anything would come of it I was super like flattered that an industry professional had taken an interest in my music because it was really my first time ever performing original music in public um but he proved me wrong and a month later there we were in the studio recording wow. the first album and it's just kind of gone on from there
1: wow that's like right out of a movie that's i know to- right yeah a movie <laughs> where it's just like yeah some guy you know catches you backstage and gives you his card and says hey Wow, yeah. so that's cool. And so that was when you were 15? Yes. Okay. And so how many albums have you done since then?
2: Um, since then? So there's been four in total. And then in the past like year or two, I've really been concentrating on singles because nobody has the <laughs> attention span for an album anymore. Mm-hmm. So
1: yeah, which is too bad. Which it is, is too, too bad. bad. I mean, yeah, because you
2: don't really get that concept, right, of like the full album, but nobody listens that way anymore. It's all playlists and everything, so.
0: Yeah. What do you find you enjoy more in the process? Is it the playing or is it the, the songwriting? And where do you draw inspiration from?
2: I think for me, and it's it's neither of the things you mentioned. It's the okay. studio for me. And I know like lots of musicians are like, oh, that's super weird, but for me like i'm a perfectionist and it's kind of a perfectionist haven because like what other opportunities do you have in life to erase your mistakes with the press mm. of a button like it's it's awesome um so for me I love like the creative process after the bones of the song are kind of worked out and then you start working on instrumentation and everything that creative process is so exciting to me like that moment when you get a track just right and you're like yes yeah. that's the exact sound I was lo- looking for or that's right. you know those are the exact that's the exact take that I wanted to be able to capture
1: and so when it comes to, to sort of writing, where where does that inspiration come from?
2: Life. <laughs> um, <laughs> most of it comes, like they always say, write what you know. So I've always tried to do that. And it doesn't even necessarily have to all be like from my life, but even like the lives of people around me. I know it's super scary, like when you know a songwriter and you're like, oh, have they written songs about me? Um <laughs> but usually what I'll do is sometimes I'll even combine like multiple stories into kind of one song and then try and make it a little bit more ambiguous so that it has, you know, wider reach and is more relatable to more people. But yeah, I think I I always start and focus on writing what I know, what I'm going through, what the people around me are going through, which indirectly affects me.
1: It, it's interesting. We, and we've talked to a, to a few blind musicians actually in the past year. Um, and what I find kind of fascinating about it is that, you know, many, many of them draw their material from their lived experience as, as somebody who's blind, which is which is great. But what always is curious to me is that if if at any point you sort of become afraid of people just sort of have this expectation of oh okay well that's a blind musician so everything is going to revolve around that where you know you're also a human being having all kinds of other experiences that have nothing to do with with your blindness does that ever sort of enter your your mind when you're communicating with the material or do you just say screw it i'm just going to write what i what i'm going to write
2: no, absolutely that crosses my mind and I was like a very reluctant blind person growing up. I really didn't want anybody to know. Like I used to curate my social media feeds with like photos so nobody online would be able to tell. Um so I really kind of tried to avoid writing about blindness, blindness or I would do it super ambiguously. So yeah, it has been like a huge thing for me even being more comfortable with being a person who's blind later in life, um, I, you know, I try and make it more relatable to everybody. Um, so that it's not because I think, you know, we all have different circumstances and different backgrounds, but the emotions that we go through based on those circumstances and experiences are usually pretty universal.
1: And there is a fine line too. I mean, really, as, as a member of the community, I mean, you, you want to advocate and, and, educate and all of that but it's also not fair that just being a member of the community shouldn't mean that you have to advocate and educate a hundred percent of the time or be expected to um and and i feel like some some you know musicians who are blind it, it struggle with that
2: yeah yeah it's tough for sure um because you automatically especially if you are you know, sort of a public person like a musician, or even if you're not, even if you're just like going about your own business in public, you're automatically expected to be this spokesperson and advocate and to be willing to stop and talk to anybody and answer absolutely any question they want to know about blindness 24-7. Right.
1: Yeah, no exactly whereas you know if able-bodied people you know they can have a be having a bad day and they can be you know flipping people off on the freeway and you know that doesn't they don't feel like that that reflects all uh, you know an entire community of people uh, it's you know some everybody has a bad day and everybody certainly should not have to be expected to be an ambassador for an entire community uh, all the time
2: yeah exactly I there's so many people who have come up to me and they're they're like oh, I met this one blind person. They were really rude. (laughs) Okay. Um.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they were really rude as I was trying to drag them across the street, Uh, but they didn't didn't want to go across the street.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like, you have no idea what was going on in that person's life, what precipitated the whole thing, um, why they were rude. And at the end of the day, like, we're all just people. We have bad days, like you were saying. And... I mean, that that would be like saying like, oh, I met this person with brown hair. They were really rude. what How is that relevant?
1: That's right.
0: Clearly name, all pets are assholes. Name of the next album, Leave Me the F Alone.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I seriously want a t-shirt that says that. Like, I'm so tempted.
0: Yeah, and we hear it all the time. You know, I'm totally blind myself. And so, you know, I totally understand what you're saying. And, and like I said, we hear it on the show all the time that we have to, f- we feel we have to wear that advocacy hat 24 seven just because we're out and about.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I do it online a lot. And I think people think that, like, oh, that must mean that I want to talk about it 24 seven or that I do talk about it 24 seven. And that's so far from the truth. with my friends and family who I'm close to, it honestly doesn't come up that much really in day-to-day life. Um, But why I do it online is actually so I can advocate on my own terms. And hopefully if, you know, the, the people who watch those videos, if we were to hang out or if they were to meet another blind person, they could just focus on the things that make them the same instead of like all you know, all the yeah. annoying blind people questions are already out of the way because, hey, I follow this blind person on TikTok or Instagram or wherever. And they told me that such and such. So that's that's really why I do it.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And actually, uh, let's talk about that too, because, you know, I have to admit that, uh, you know, so I've been a follower of you on Instagram for probably a year. And so I, I'm actually really excited that that uh we we managed to get you on the show talk to me a little bit about um, the social media channels and how this sort of grew and and what prompted you to really sort of lean into that advocacy and education part of that and really to build them out because it is a lot of work creating content like you do
2: yeah it's a ton of work um that's a bit of a long story I'll try and keep it like <laughs> fairly short um so during the covid 19 pandemic like Kind of right at the beginning, um, I was hospitalized for psychiatric care. And it was like a really uncertain time. There were no visitors. I didn't know when I was getting out. I couldn't see any of the people I loved. And it was just, it was very difficult, very lonely. And then this one night, um, the medevac helicopter arrived at the hospital bringing a critical patient to this bigger center for treatment. And if you haven't been like up close and personal, when a helicopter lands, it is loud. And the first couple of times you're like wondering when it's going to come through the building. Um, <laughs> But this night, um, shortly after the helicopter arrived, they called a code blue for that patient and I just lay there in bed I was awake and I was thinking about this patient's loved ones and how they were having one of the scariest nights they will ever know and I started thinking how can I feel so much compassion for this person's loved ones while knowing the decision I want to make is going to devastate my own and then I started thinking about the patient themselves And what a wild juxtaposition it was that they were in here fighting to live and I was in here fighting to die and one of us had a choice. And so that night I chose life and I realized that if I was going to get better, I would have to take a really hard look at the things that I was doing that weren't working. And a big part of that was the shame of being blind and the shame of the space I was taking up in the world and feeling undeserving of that. Um, But another thing that came from that night was this urge to share my story To hopefully save at least one person from going through that pain and also to really strip away the mystery of what happens behind those locked doors particularly when somebody in that situation also has a physical disability because it's a really hard situation for anybody to be in but it can be extra scary for a blind person because you're suddenly in this place you don't know it's super disorienting you're not allowed to leave Um, There's a lot going on around you, a lot of unpredictability, including violence that you can hear, but you can't see. And you don't know if the doctors and psych nurses and care aides are even going to be able to meet your pretty unique needs. Um, In addition to what you're there for, you also have unique needs as a blind person that other patients aren't going to have. And when I was going through that, there was nothing out there. My my family searched for information and they couldn't find anything. There were no accounts of other people having gone through this. Um, so it was really important to me to share my story. And that's kind of how the book got written because I was like, well, why don't I just write a book? Because why not? <laughs> um, of course, I took like the hardest, most difficult, most grueling path. Um But then in doing so after the book came out, I translated the stories in the book into music and released kind of this music like companion project to go along with the book. And it was in doing publicity for the book and the music that my best friend um, (laughs) very forcefully suggested that I should start sharing short form video content um, initially on TikTok because she thought that people would be really interested in what I had to say as somebody um, who is blind and also struggles with mental health issues. And she was very, very, very persistent. (laughs) And I was like, no, absolutely not. There's no way. Um, Because if I'm not completely comfortable with who I am as a blind person, I'm sure as hell not going to open myself up to the criticism from the public if I can't even be like 100% confident in who I am. Um, But she wore me down. (laughs) And eventually, I started making videos. And I was honestly shocked, because I didn't think anybody would actually care about what I had to say. But within a few months, my videos were reaching like millions of people around the world and it's just kind of grown from there and there's been this amazing community of people who share similar ups and downs but also people who want to do better and want to learn and realize that the voices of people with disabilities need to be heard, their voices themselves um, for things to actually change and improve. So that's kind of a, a long story in a roundabout way of how I got started with short form video content.
0: There's a purity and an in, innocence in what you were saying about laying in the hospital, thinking about your loved ones, thinking about the patient and their loved ones and the choice you had, whereas the pa- the other patient didn't have the same choice and being able to reach that point where you made the decision to choose life and carry on your story that's a powerful powerful moment in your life and was probably very pivotal pivotal in bringing you to where you are today it sounds like the like i said the honesty and the purity is really what spe- is is what speaking to people and, and and is appreciated by people
2: yeah i hope so i mean there's a lot of like you get people to your channel by kind of doing stupid things. Like I think the first video of mine that went viral was me showing like different ways of using a cane. So there was like two point touch, constant contact. And then I had the helicopter method where I basically just spun around in a circle with my cane above my head yelling personal space. Um, And so a lot of followers came from that and those kind of like stupid videos. but also they're fun to make and they bring people like, so if, if that's what gets people in the door mm-hmm. to stay around for like the, the deeper messages then <laughs> then so be it, I guess.
1: Well, and that's what I found really interesting about your content is that you inject um, a, a humor into almost everything that you do along with Sort of an, an educational message or teaching about different aspects, and I think that that is a really, really powerful blend. And I think I think that is is again another reason why people really respond to it.
2: Yeah, I think so because they've actually done research that says that people remember lessons better if there's laughter involved. So I really try and incorporate that. So that hopefully the messages actually stick with people and don't go in one ear and out the other while people are kind of mindlessly scrolling on social media as we all do.
1: Yeah, when you started it, were you really sort of intentional with that? Or is this just is this just Heather? Like th- that's just you. You have this sense of humor and you wanted to portray your own personality into the channels and it was just sort of happenstance that uh, that resonated.
2: Yeah, it wasn't really intentional at all. I think, you know, over the past year and a half, I've sort of seen what works and what doesn't. But beginning with it, no, I was just kind of making videos that were fun for me to make. And, you know, we got good laughs doing them, my friends and my partner. Um, So they were fun for us to make. And I put them up and people responded. So then I was like, oh, okay, people are really interested in that kind of content or really respond to it at least i'm going to give them that kind of content to hopefully get them to stick around so that i can actually share some of the things i really want to share with people but no like social media like i think a lot of people when they start on that journey are pretty intentional like oh i want to i want to be a content creator i want to get a lot of followers for me it wasn't really that at all i this was honestly like totally unexpected
1: i'm just being nosy but like so are you able like when you get that amount of followers is this able to just kind of be a full-time gig for you
2: um yeah pretty much these days i mean not specifically the content per se as the other opportunities that come with it so you know sitting on committees for advocacy um public speaking brand deals things like that those are sort of where you actually make the full-time like make full-time work for you Um, the content like not so much because especially here in Canada like we're very limited on the money that we can make actually from like the content itself like we don't have the creator fund in Canada on TikTok which is really too bad Um, but yeah it's it's not the views so much as just the opportunities that have arisen from the views.
1: Got it. Really, we're talking about we're talking about a space of three years, maybe maybe almost four, I guess. But uh, I mean, does is this does it kind of make your head spin when you when you reflect back on it?
2: It really does, and it's so weird for me to think like I'll post a video and it'll get like. 10 or 15,000 views and I'm like disappointed I'm like oh well that sucks that video (laughs) flopped Um, but me of like a year and a half ago like I remember when I one of my videos got to 3,000 and I remember telling one of my friends about that who works in social media and I was like so excited Um, and it's all so relative because now 3,000 views would just be like depressing so it's yeah it it's really like when I think about it in those terms and where I was a year and a half ago versus where I am now and how like everything just it's all relevant, it is like really wild to think about because in the in the scheme of things, it really hasn't been that much time.
1: I have to say even it does that does weird me out sometimes when I think of it uh, yet yeah, like yeah the pan- oh pandemic it was only three years ago it seems like a lot longer, like
2: yeah. Yeah, it really does. And my book came out, I guess, like a year and a bit ago now. So I've only really been posting on social media for like a year and a half, I guess.
0: Right. Well, I was right. just going to say, we got to get ourselves on TikTok.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you should. You should. It's, I mean, love, hate again. <laughs> but um, that's kind of where, well, honestly, like, I don't know if you guys... Well, you said you're on Instagram, but Instagram reels these days are honestly sometimes performing even better for me than TikTok videos. Wow. So if you're on Instagram, make reels.
1: <laughs> well, we have a more thing to know. do. We have a yep. whole plan of, of just a live stream of, of Ryan in a pink
0: tutu and a hula hoop. Uh, That's just right. Swinging my cane around. Just oh, yeah, wow. Hooping, well, hooping I'm sure hour.
2: that would get some views. I can give you some um, pointers on the helicopter technique if you, if you need.
1: Awesome. <laughs> That's perfect. I mean it for sure. Yeah. Talk to me then a little bit about, about some of these opportunities that have presented themselves um, as, as a result of of the channel's successes. What what kind of other advocacy um, work are you doing and sort of other committees and stuff that are you sitting on?
2: Yeah, so let's see. I've done quite a bit of work with different brands, just sort of promoting. I mean, the good and the bad is that Inclusion is really a buzzword right now. Um, So that means there's a lot of work for me, which is great. Um, But I hope that people will continue with it after it's not like the Mm -hmm. cool thing. Um, So there's been a lot of that kind of like promoting brands that demonstrate inclusivity. Um, I was just at an Amazon conference in Toronto uh, that was all about accessibility, which was really exciting to see a big company like that doing things like that. Um, I've done work with like adaptive tech companies, demonstrating some of their products and sharing them with followers. Um, I'm on a committee right now working on developing a framework for accessibility training in the workplace. Oh, wow. Um I work with, yeah, just a a bunch of different companies. There's some like really exciting stuff coming up in January that isn't really finalized yet, so I can't say much about it, but, um, there's yeah, a lot of really amazing things happening and then just like traveling to conferences to speak, um, has been really cool and also really nerve-wracking so
1: (laughs) (laughs) you know bet. well so and and, so between all of that and plus like creating the content like you must be like worked off your feet
2: honestly yeah like like we were talking earlier about Christmas Um, right now like all the brands want to have meetings about like performance this year and what's coming up in January and that's part of the reason why I'm just like oh I'm so done with this year I just (laughs) I want the 21st or whatever that day is to come so I can kind of take a break because it has been exhausting and it's tough like at the end of the day when you're doing you know meetings for committees and this and that and brand partnerships and talking about content strategies etc etc it's really hard to like at the end of the day especially because like it gets dark so early now and it's so cold Mm and Mm -hmm. by like 4 30 i'm like oh i'm ready to just like get into my pajamas and do nothing (laughs) but i'm like no i gotta film content so i gotta come up with ideas i gotta like be super engaged as soon as the the camera comes on where Sometimes I'm just like, you know, you don't always feel it. And I guess that's kind of the downside of doing this sort of thing full time is that you can't just do it like fair weather when you feel like it, you always have to be making content. So that's yeah. that's kind of tricky. But um, I have just like a, a giant list of content ideas that I keep on my phone. And every time, like during the day, if something pops into my head, I'll just like jot it down. um, So I can kind of draw from that list when I'm not feeling very inspired.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, and I think that a lot of people don't really take that into consideration. You know, everybody has the dream of, oh yeah, I want to be, I want to be a content creator. Cause, cause I think in their heads, they just think that, yeah, it'd be easy. Just film some videos, you know, put on a hula hoop and and swing it around and boom, it'll go (laughs) viral. And and I'll have the rest of my day to just watch TV and play video games. And like, that's actually not like a creating content is a lot of work and it takes up a lot of time. Um, even just, just coming up with, with ideas and and things to do. And I'm sure that it sucks when you, you know, come up with an idea and you film it and it just, it kind of falls flat. Does that happen? Do you really pay attention to the, to things like analytics? Do you become obsessed with it when you sort of, you reach this level?
2: I try not to but I'd be lying to say if <laughs> <laughs> that I it doesn't affect me because I absolutely do like sometimes I'll think I have this brilliant idea and it totally flops and then something I come up with in like two seconds and it's just like oh wouldn't it be funny if we filmed this um, then those are the ones that go viral and I'm like oh why <laughs> like I'm putting so much work into some of these other videos and that's The stuff that's just like, people really like, I think right now, like the authenticity and the really like off the cuff kind of um, vibe that comes with the short form video content. So sometimes it's honestly like you have to make it look like you didn't try, even if you did try. And I think that's what a lot of people, like you were saying, don't really realize about content creation is it looks a lot more effortless than it is and especially like with brand partnerships where you're trying to like adhere to so many guidelines like some of them have so many rules and so many guidelines and you have to be creative within the constraints of that and i think that's what like people don't really realize they think we just sit down and make a video and then like you say go and watch tv for the rest of the day but there's so (laughs) much so much more behind it that people don't see it's it's a lot less effortless than it looks even like the spontaneous appearing stuff
1: and do you do you ha- like have a set schedule
2: I wish I was better at that I think that's another oh. one of the downsides it's 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 a great job <laughs> I feel like I'm I'm knocking it a lot and I don't mean to but that's one of the other downsides is that you have to um, Really, like, you're you're working 24-7. Like, if you have your phone in your hand, it can be really hard not to check notifications, not to read comments and DMs when you're supposed to be, like, on downtime. So I really right. do try and schedule time. Like, okay, now I'm going to read and respond to comments and messages. Now I'm going to film. Um, but it's, I mean, it's life. It doesn't always happen that way. Sometimes I'll get down to, like, a few videos and I'm like oh crap I really need to spend some time filming sometimes depending on also like what's going on in my life like if I'm traveling a lot that makes it easier um, it's easier to come up with content and just shoot things as they come up um, so then I'll have like a bunch of videos to go through and that will often keep me going for like a while like sometimes people will be like oh my god you've been gone for so long and I'm actually like back home but we filmed like 20 videos in 5 yeah. days so they just get kind of spread out over a while. Um so it really depends, yeah, like what's going on in my life, but I do try and um keep to a schedule, but that's like something I want to work on even more in the new year is just really adhering to that because if you don't, it can really kind of take over your life and your personal time. And like, even when I go out with family and friends, I really try not to, but like sometimes I'm filming and it's, it's really awkward, but it, it also kind of has to be done. So I try and do it in like the least intrusive way possible, but you really are just kind of always working.
1: Well, and you bring up a good point. And again, I I think this is something that people don't think about content creators having to deal with, but it's a, it's a huge thing is that, and that's engaging the community. It's, 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 um, you know, talking to people, responding to to people who comment. I mean, you you know, if you have a viral video, you could have like thousands of of comments um, that you you then you know feel somewhat obligated. Anyways, I'm sure to to sort of go through. That must be draining too.
2: Yeah, yeah, it is. Like when I started, I was like, I'm gonna respond to every single comment because they took the time to comment, so I should reciprocate and and take the time to respond. I've kind of had to make peace with the fact that that is impossible but like especially if you have a video go viral and it ends up as they say on the wrong side of tiktok and you're getting a lot of comments from trolls it can be even more like tempting to read them constantly because you want to like see all the bad things people are saying about you i I don't know like why sometimes that's more like i don't want to say appealing but like the temptation the compulsion to like always check Um, is even stronger when you're getting a lot of like that kind of activity because you want to you know kind of stay on top of those things before because i've had videos before where it's gotten like really out of hand and like you get like death threats and people hoping you die and having all these terrible things happen to you so it's something that you want to watch out for for sure um but yeah engaging with the community um i try you know my kind of rule is like the first hour that a post is up. I try and kind of dedicate to responding to comments and then kind of after that, just as I can. And it also depends like on how viral the video is, what's what else is going on in my life. But I try to make a decent effort to at least show up and respond to as many comments as I can. But the, the days of responding to every single comment are unfortunately long gone and I wish I could, but it, would just be ridiculous. I would never get anything else done.
1: Right, right. Well, I can't even imagine how hard it must be um, dealing with with trolls or negative comments, um, because I, and you must you must have you know over the course of, of the year and a half. I mean, you must have to really grow a thick skin really fast, or be able to just sort of you know expect that there's going to be crappy people out there commenting. has that been a bit of a process for you where you've you've kind of had to to grow to to let some of that stuff just bounce off you
2: yeah and i wish i wish it did completely but there are still definitely comments that get under my skin and i'll be like thinking about them hours later and i'll Mm -hmm. tell my partner or a friend like guess what this person said about me online today or whatever and um they're really good at kind of like talking me down. But sometimes I do need to like share those comments with people to get like that grounding factor of like, yeah. they don't know what they're talking about. They don't know you. That's not true. But trolls are really good at like playing to your insecurities. So that can be really difficult and really disheartening, yeah. especially like, I don't know, sometimes you'll just get one that, that just really stays with you and you yep. have to really work through it.
1: Yeah, I can imagine. But it sounds like you you do have a good support system and uh, you know, with family and, and your partner and stuff. What what What's their kind of take on all of this?
2: I think like my partner's always like I'm, he's so unsurprised and I'm always shocked. Like I'll be like, oh, guess what? Like opportunity just came up. Guess what brand just reached out. And he's like, I'm not surprised. I always knew that you could do this kind of thing and I always had a lot more faith in you and how far you'd go than you had in yourself so he's been like very unsurprised I think it's weird for some of my family like my brother or my mom will go into work sometimes and meet somebody and they'll be like oh you know recognize the last name um I follow this person on TikTok or Instagram and they're kind of like, Oh yeah, um, that's my sister. or That's my daughter. And they're like, Oh really? So it's, it kind of like does have circles, um, out from me that, that it definitely affects other people as well. But overall, like people are really positive about it and really excited for me. So it's been, it's been really positive, um, with my family and friends
1: so I mean given all of this and given given just how it sounds like how busy you are just trying to to keep your head above water uh, what kind of th- what kind of things are you hoping for in the future are there are there things that you I mean do you want to write another book is there another album in the works like what's what's kind of what's what's your overall plan
2: I really don't know like right now I kind of feel like I'm just treading water but work with like some of the tech companies that I've been doing there's some really exciting projects coming up with those that I can't wait for in the new year Um, we're going to be filming some really cool things in some really cool locations so I'm really looking forward to that and more public speaking and basically just like doing whatever I can to get my story to reach as many people as I can and to get as many people as I can, more comfortable with disability and with people with disabilities so that we can start focusing on our sameness rather than the things that just divide us.
1: I love it. Heather, we want to thank you so much, so, so much for coming on. It was an absolute delight talking to you. Thank you so much for putting in all the time and effort. And, cause I really do feel like, um, you know, you're, you're spreading a lot of really, really impactful, you know, advocacy messages out there. And, uh, that, that's really the key right now. So, you know, thanks for all your hard work. Thanks for coming on. And, uh, if people are interested in the world of Heather and all of this stuff, the albums, the, the book, all, all the social media feeds, is there a place they can go, uh, to find out more?
2: Yeah, thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. And it was super fun to come on. If people want to find out more information about the book and the music, and there's links to all my social media on my website as well, they can check out my website, www.heather-hutchison.com. H-U-T-C-H-I-S-O-N.com. Everybody adds in like an extra N. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, listen. Uh, you have to promise to come back uh, when you know maybe next year when something's going on with the with the tech stuff. I'd love we'd love to hear about that because we love tech around here. We we cut our teeth on assistive technology, so we are into it.
2: Awesome, absolutely.
1: All right. Well, best of luck with everything, and uh, happy holidays. And just hang in there for another twelve days.
2: <laughs> We're almost there. Yet yeah, twelve almost more there. days. <laughs> Thank you guys so much.
1: Thanks, Heather. Thank you, Heather. Thanks. Ah, oh, what a lovely lady. That was good. Yeah, good very conversation. Cool. Very, very cool. Have you have you checked out a lot of her her social media stuff? Are you on Are you on Instagram? Do you use Instagram very
0: much? Like White cane records. White cane records is on Instagram. Yeah, but
1: I personally are not. But you don't browse. You don't. You don't. No. You don't do anything with Instagram yet. No. That's fair. Yeah, no, I got into it too. I'm just, I'm just a you know bit of a lurker. I just, I just look at a bunch of stuff. But uh, no, her, her Instagram feed's been on my radar for for quite a while. And actually, I, I think I'm pretty sure Blind Beginnings actually follows her as well. Um, but it's a really, really great um, channel. I, you know, I'm not into TikTok. TikTok's not my demographic. But, <laughs> um, but I'm sure that you know all, all of that is great too. So I really, really highly recommend. Um, everybody uh, go check her out go check out her her, um, her channels and uh, everything else too
0: Yep. Yeah. support the community support each yeah. other
1: Yep. Exactly. and she's got cool merch too like she and, and yeah, her stuff is really funny like that's the other thing that you know we didn't actually talk about enough but it's really funny I'll uh, have to look at it again because I don't remember what was it's, there it's cool they like a lot of a lot of her videos so <sighs> cool. Yeah. so there you go so um, anything else nope I think that covers it yeah I think so too you're tired we're tired and we just want January to be over so let's Well, December to be over what did I say January yeah I'm already I'm, I'm already there man I'm already in January beach <laughs> with a with a drink in my hand there you um, go if only um, alright my friend let's get out of here um Hey, Ryan. Yeah, Rob. Uh, where can people find us? They can find us at atbanter.com. They can also you drop us an email if they so desire at cowbell at atbanter.com. And they can find us on Facebook and Instagram. That's correct. And, and Mastodon. And Mastodon. There you go. Yep, yep. All right, that is going to about do it for us this week. Big thanks, of course, to Heather for joining us. And we will see everybody next week. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness
2: solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot com. Or call us toll free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com.